Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. Today, I have with me a guest who I met through the Peace Alliance. And a couple of weeks ago, we had Dan Kahn on. He is the field coordinator of the Peace Alliance. So I met Bud Johnston through that organization. And if you have any proclivity to get more involved in peace work, that is the place to be, the Peace Alliance. And Bud Johnston is part of the Keepers of the Sacred Tradition of Pipe Makers out of Minnesota. And I have him here with me, and he's going to tell us exactly what this wonderful organization does. So, Bud, thank you for being here. Yep. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Hope so we're interested in what we're doing. Yeah. So tell us, what are you doing? Well, we're a nonprofit spiritual organization. Legally, we're a church. We do a lot of work in the prisons, a lot of work in schools. We formed this organization to protect the great pipestone quarries of Minnesota for all tribal people and educate the public. And accidentally, because we're the only federally recognized Native American church, we can go into any jail or any prison 24 hours a day and work with the inmates. And so over the years, we've donated over 180 pipes to prisons nationwide. And we go inside the walls and help build sweat lodges and do ceremonies, and do pipe ceremonies, that kind of stuff. Trying to unite the four colors of man is a, a big, big thing. One of the Sioux prophecies was that the world would be united over the pipe. And of course, the medicine wheel has the four colors of man on it, red, white, yellow, and black. And if we can all come together and understand that your way of doing something is a little bit different than mine, but we're all trying to do things together to protect Mother Earth and all creation, that's gotten to be a pretty big thing in recent years. People are finally starting to understand that without the water, we aren't going to live, you know, and everything else, the plants and the animals and the rocks show respect for those things and for other people. And I think that's huge. I did a big deal down in Brisbane, Australia, a number of years ago. It was called the Red Blanket Gathering. And we had the indigenous people from all over Australia, New Zealand, and about a dozen tribes from North America there. And we even had the Tibetan monks doing our cooking. Wow. Wow, that sounds like an amazing event. Oh, it was really something because we put up this huge canopy and it was in a park. 
And each person was allowed to come out and talk about their way of talking to creator. And it wasn't like I was trying to make you one of mine. It just was, this is what we do. And uh, the parallels were enormous. Yeah. And yeah. I could talk all day just about that. It was really spectacular. Yeah. And that's, I went through ministry and through seminary and we talked, the idea behind the seminary was back in, I think, 1986 or eight, Pope John Paul II invited all the religious leaders of all the different religions to Assisi in Italy to pray for peace. And every tradition that was there prayed in their own way. And again, the similarities, they were more prevalent than the differences. So when people talk about how they express themselves to creator, to spirit, to God, what, however it is they speak about it, there is more similarities than differences. Well, that's really true. And uh, for the last 10 years or so, over a dozen Christian churches have had me come in and do a talk about the parallels and differences in Christianity in our tribal ways. And every one of them is amazed. One of the talks I did, the last one I actually did was a Lutheran church on the south side of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it was the Missouri Senate, which is supposed to be one of the hardcorest ones. And I was supposed to talk to the church elders in the basement for a half an hour. And I went down there and they had me there for over an hour. And I said I had to get going. And a preacher followed me out to the truck asking more questions. (laughs) I mean, it just amazed them that, in their opinion, evidently, we all had the same objective, finding that peace with Mm -hmm. all creation. And uh, I was pretty impressed with it. I thought it worked out really well. Yeah. Especially with their reputation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you you apparently resonated with them in in ways that they were surprised. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's great. That's that you you have so many amazing stories, and you know, we uh, on our prep talk before our uh, before this conversation, you know, you you talked about the interconnectedness of all things. So, can you talk about that more about that? And well, yeah. You know, the Sioux phrase, Matakuyasin, means we're all related. And that means everything, not just the people. And our Ojibwe people have the same phrase, and I never remember it. I had to write it down. In a windowag. And that wow. also means we are all related. Wow. Everything on Mother Earth. And it's really hard for all of us, I think, to stop for a minute and say thank you for the grass, the trees, the rabbits, the deer. If you see one walking across in front of you, or a big, big deal, in my opinion, or my teachings, if a bald eagle glides over you, he's picking up your message and taking it upstairs. Wow. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Just taking that minute to say thanks yeah, is huge. And that goes back to showing respect for everything. 
I, my grandma was an herb doctor. And when I was a little kid, I was considered a good picker. So whenever we went out picking any kind of berries or anything, I had to go with okay. when I'm like four years old. <laughs> and grandma taught me at a real young age, if I needed a leaf off this plant, snip it off quick with my thumbnail so it don't suffer too much. Oh. A little tobacco down and say, thank you. I needed that for this certain medicine. And if you needed a root plant, pull it out really quick so it don't suffer yeah. and put some tobacco in that hole. And say, thank you for giving up your life. I need this medicine for something. Show respect for all those plants. And it was really funny because grandma was, I don't know, coming up on 90, I guess. And we're out picking. I think we're picking blueberries up in Wisconsin. And my dad saw us, grandma putting some tobacco down for an herb that we were taking. And he come over there and he says, Ma, quit fooling, doing that foolishness. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> she just said, Yes, my son. <laughs> kept on doing it. <laughs> yes, dear. Yep. But we're still, yeah, I, that that's amazing. Cause I, I taught my daughter, you know, when she was little and we would plant flowers in our, in our garden. And, and I would just say, you know, as we're planting them, I'm like, okay, now give them your love, give them your love and tell them that you're thankful that, that you're, you're thankful that they're here. And, you know, so yeah, so I think teaching that to to the little ones is it gives them that automatic respect, you know, and it it builds on that because I think it I think it's automatically there, and if we as adults feed into that and and feed them that it it will they will have a better appreciation for the earth, you know, and and all creation. In recent years, they've come up with newer ways of doing stuff. But they found if you go out by the water and you play a nasty song, the water will react in a totally different way than it does if you play a beautiful song. And a bunch of wineries in recent years have started to play beautiful music in their vineyards because the grapes grow better. Duh. Yeah. What have we been talking about? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I used to work in a winery and here in New Jersey, in fact, a wine is very, uh, grapes grow very well here in our sandy soil. And I'll have to tell the owner of the, the winery to, to make his wine even better to play some really good music. And there was a study and I used to teach people like way back in the early in my career of, I used to teach people how to use essential oils and, you know, that they were, they were plant medicine. And this is like, this is medicine of the earth and it resonates better with us because we're of the earth as well. And, and the one thing that I used to, the one study that they I would talk about is how there were four researchers, two groups of two researchers and all male. And they had, they wanted to test that whole, like that plants like classical music and the two researchers, the older researchers, they played the classical music and the plants thrived and they, they love, you know, the plants grew and, and then they started playing the two older researchers played rock and roll music and the plants died. Yeah. 
And they said, oh, well, that's because, you know, plants like classical. So then the two younger researchers go in and they played classical music and the plants all died. But then the they play rock and roll and the plants thrived. So they're like, wait a minute, the complete opposite of the, the, the results are completely opposite of the two groups. And here, what they found is that the old, the two older researchers loved classical. So they were resonating with the plants. The plants were resonating with them, the music, everything. They thrived. The two younger researchers loved rock and roll music. The plants, you know, they were all in, in sync with each other. So, you know, the plants thrived. I was like, well, that's, that's a really interesting, you know, of, of how well, it really fits though too because <clears throat> the energy that's given out mm-hmm. is really the focus yeah for all creation and if you go to a special place i don't care what you want to call it or where it is if you feel an energy for that place and you stop for a minute and say hey thank you this is such a beautiful place. Now, I don't care if you use tobacco or if you don't do anything other than raise your hands. Hey, this feels good. I like this. And that energy transfer covers the world. Yeah. And we have become so disconnected from all creation. You know, one of our old stories was that... Uh, when creator put man on earth, he gave us life and he gave us all the diseases, but he gave us the plants to cure that disease. But we've forgotten so much of that. And now people are starting to bring it back. I don't know if you want to hear a story that touched my heart. Absolutely. Many years ago. Yeah. My youngest son, about 35 years ago, was diagnosed with acute lymphatic leukemia. Oh, wow. And he wasn't going to do none of the medical stuff. I guess kind of being normal. I was worried about the idiot. <laughs> so I called back home and talked to one of my teachers. And I said, hey, my kid's got this acute lymphatic leukemia. And he don't want no medical help. No chemo, no nothing. What can we do to help him? Got any ideas? And he said, oh, my mom had that kind of cancer. And this guy brewed up this nasty taste in tea. And she drank a whole bunch of it, and she lived for 25 years. I said, can you get me that recipe? He said, no, that guy died. (laughs) Wow. So I produced three award-winning videos, and one of them was the medicine people. And one of the medical doctors out in Oregon was kind of into herbal stuff. So I called him up, and I said, hey, doc, my kid's got this cancer, and he uh, don't want to do no medical stuff. you got any ideas? And he said, and I told him what the guy back home had said. And he said, oh, you know, this Canadian nurse, Renee Cassie, got this recipe from the Ojibwe people. And she started brewing this tea up. And she got in big trouble with the Canadian government because she was curing all kinds of cancers. Wow. He said, I got a great big file on that. If you want it, I'll send it to you. This one first got computers. I said, can you email it to me? It'll be quicker. My printer ran all night. It was an old tractor feed printer. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I got all this stuff. And it had the whole recipe and the whole story of her medical profession. And so I started looking for the herbs. And I looked all over the country. And uh, I finally found them all at a organic nursery in Oregon, I think it was. And I called them up. And I said, hey, I want six pounds of burdock and four pounds of slippery elm, turkey rhubarb and sheep soil. Oh, we can't sell that to you. I said, really, why? Well, are you an herbalist or a doctor? I said, no. Well, and we can't sell it to you. You're gonna make ECAC tea. This wow. is anybody knew about ECAC tea. So I said, let me talk to the guy that owns this joint. So this guy gets on the phone and he gives me the same BS the other people did. And I said, no, I'm one of the tribal guys that gave you the damn recipe. And he said, <laughs> oh, so he sent me all the herbs. And I didn't know how to break it down when Renee was making it. She would make five gallons at a time because she's feeding a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make five gallons and I tried to can it for my kid. And I gave it to him. And after about a month, he was feeling quite a bit better. But he called me up one day. And he said, Pop, you're trying to kill me. I said, why? Well, that tea's getting moldy. Uh, you were supposed to drink it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I give it, I evidently did a poor job of canning it because if I had canned it right, it would have been okay. But I learned how to break it down to make two quarts at a time. And we now call it Lasagnia, the tea of life. Huh. And we have had cancers all over the world be cured in nothing flat. Wow. Matter of fact, today, I just, one of our guys, was diagnosed with bone cancer a mm-hmm. month ago. And I just got a message from him today. Why the heck is it? I don't know nothing about this. Maybe you do. His biomarkers are down from 92 to 3 because of the tea and the prayers. Wow. And according to our medical guy, that means his cancer is almost gone. Wow. That's wow. pretty spectacular for In a month. Weeks. Yeah, in a month, too. And in the year 1999, a good friend of mine, Lisa Dietz, she's a spiritual lady from Sault Ste. Marie. Her and her friend had written a book about the world ending in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And her co-author called me up in mid-1999, and she was crying. And she said, Lisa told me that you had this tea that cures cancers. And I was diagnosed with lung cancer, and they gave me 30 days to live. And I promise I'll pay you for it. Will you send me the tea right away? So I sent her the tea. Two weeks later, she sent me a check. Two weeks later, she calls me up. She says, can you send me some more of that tea? I sent her a whole pound of it. I said, what'd you do, lose it? <laughs> no, I think I'm kind of addicted. Every time I walk past the refrigerator, I take a big glass full of it. And I went to the doctor the other day and they said, I don't have no cancer in my body. And three years ago, we did a show out in Oregon and she had her grandson bring her down to say hi. She's 85 years old. Wow. And never had cancer again. Wow. Just that's from a am- bunch of weeds. That's amazing. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. So showing that respect for all creation is huge. We all have to work on that. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time, like you said, just a minute or two. And, and, to me, the more often you do it, the better off it is, even if it's a, a quick thank you or look at the, that cloud or, you know, 
how many people can say that they laid on the grass and watched the the clouds go by you know it's yep. very it doesn't happen too often anymore and it's something of a lost art and you know i'm in new jersey so we're like super super busy here you know even just uh you know running from here to there and so getting um you know taking that that time to really slow down and literally smell the roses it yep. uh is doing a lot of a lot of good for for the world well that's such a big deal but we have to remember to stop and take that minute my daughter isn't here today but a little story that i kind of like this grandma and her granddaughter are from Bad River up on Lake Superior, which is where my res is. And they worked at the casino, which is eight miles away. And they drive right along the shore of Lake Superior on their way to work every day. Mm. And one day grandma got to thinking and she said, you know, we should stop and say thank you for the water people. And the granddaughter said, oh, we're too busy. You know, we ain't got time and all this kind of stuff. And the grandma created a song to sing as they're going along the water. Wow. And every day on the way to work, they would sing this thank you to the water song. And uh, when we do shows, my daughter and my wife sing that song. And it's a beautiful song. And it's taken really nothing out of their life. They're still driving down the road. Yeah. But they can look at the lake and say thank you. Wow. For us. Beautiful. I love that. Pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Is that recorded? Is that recorded anywhere? I don't know. Let me ask my wife. Rana? She's out in the other room. Okay. Oh, this is a really great conversation. While Bud's going to look or ask his wife about that, you know, I think that this, this kind of world peace this is definitely gets on that level of world peace you know and the more that we can do this kind of work the better here's bud yes no they don't have it recorded no oh darn that would i would love to share that with people and it was really funny because uh my daughter might record it and we could send it to you okay uh, out here at our library the librarian got this thing going that was protect the water. And she was interviewing people to be part of this show. She interviewed me and I said, my daughter had this song. She said, well, why don't you bring your daughter out? So about a week later, I took my daughter out there. She's 14 years old and uh, she sang this song. And just like that, we were scheduled to go into this program. <laughs> that was when the COVID thing hit, so everything got shut down. Yeah. So she stopped here in the store about a month ago, and she said, you know, we're still going to do that water thing, and we really want to get you and your daughter in there because you touched the people so much more than anybody else did wow. in the program. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's impressive. We'll see what happens with it. but All right. So tell me, you know, the, the top of this, we talked about what you do with pipe keepers. And so is there a way for people to reach out to you as far as like helping you out, 
in donations or like, how can people help you? How can people oh, they can the make donations on our website, pipekeepers.org. Okay. And you can sure stop in and make donations. Okay. Or if you want to make something, we do lots of craft classes and we ask for donations. We don't charge for, except for materials. If you want to make a pipe or a drum or a dream catcher or make a beaded shirt or make a pipe bag, almost anything that's tribal crafts, if you want to make something, you can sure stop in, make sure you make an appointment with us. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. Besides, like I said, you can donate on the website, pipekeepers.org, or you can become a lifetime member okay. on the same page. That's we good. ask people if they want to do an annual thing, we ask them for a $25 a year donation. But an awful lot of people in the last uh, 20 years, many, many of them, after they, especially if they ever stopped in, they want to sign up as a lifetime member. Mm. That way they get a 10% discount in our gift shop and they get hooked up to our newsletter and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, the, and they're giving back. And yeah. yeah. And the, the big deal, in my opinion, so many times something that they learned here touched their heart where they go out and share it with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's huge, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of the inmates in the South Dakota pen, uh, he's a lifer. And I've been taking in bundles of red willow every year for them to make tobacco out of because we don't use commercial tobacco for ceremonies. And I'd never physically met the man. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I actually went inside the walls for a powwow. And he met me at the door and he, okay. he said, Bud, I made you a keychain. It's a moccasin. Oh, wow. Yeah. With a wow. bear made out of porcupine quills. Wow. A rawhide sole on it. That's amazing. Filled it with sage. Wow. I said, that's never going to be a keychain. No. <laughs> he said, no. I just wanted to show how much we appreciate you coming in here and working with us. Wow. And I made this for you. That's and beautiful. Thanks a lot for being part of our world. I think it's pretty neat. I play show and tell with that quite a lot because <laughs> it touched my heart. That's beautiful. I mean, the listeners aren't going to be able to see that, but... Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. It really is. The artwork in that is exquisite. So what needs the, the keepers of the sacred tradition of pipe makers at the beginning, you also said that it's to protect what what's going on that we need to protect that area. The great pipestone quarries are where most all of the traditional pipestone pipes, the stone came from out here. And it's a national park, and so many people don't know anything about it. But 30 years ago, there was a group trying to throw the park service out. They claimed to be the rightful keepers of the quarries. Mm. And uh, nobody heard nothing about it because they were really into the political game, and there is no tribe here. So mm. there was nobody to talk to. And when we found out about it, we tried to form an urban Indian community, which I had done in San Francisco back in the 1970s. 
it was pretty easy. But nobody wanted to support any more urban Indian communities because the BIA funding is X number of bucks. And if I let you have some and you have some, my piece of pie gets smaller. Mm. So there was no support for that. And when you try to talk to the people in D.C., I'd say, who are you? And you tell them, well, who do you represent? A bunch of pipe makers and pipestone. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't do nothing. <laughs> so that was why we voted to form a Native American church to protect the quarries for all tribal people and educate the public. So that was what we wound up starting to do. Okay. And then accidentally, because we're the only federally recognized church, Native American church in the United States, we can go into any jail or any prison 24 hours a day and work with the inmates. Mm -hmm. And that has become a whole different thing. Wow. Uh, Took a life of its own. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Bud, I I would love to just sit down and keep talking with you. You sound I, just the stories that you've come up with, and even the the one in in Brisbane. It, you know, it sounds like it was an amazing experience, a lifetime, you know, once in a lifetime experience. And I, I thank you for for being here, for doing the work of the world, because we we all like I said in the podcast is that the mission of the podcast is to really amplify these voices and your, your voice and what you're doing is just is going to resonate for generations. And, and I hope the listeners can even just that, that moment of gratitude, you know, to the earth, to the grass, to the trees, especially now the spring coming and, and the the buds coming on the the trees and the flowers coming up it's just you know giving that gratitude back you know it is just it's phenomenal i think it's such a big deal because so many of the tribal beliefs was and is that you're doing things for the next seven generations yep which isn't a very long period of time really but if you think of the future of what we need what mother earth needs those are big. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take care of, of our seven generations. All right, bud. Thank you so much for being here. And I truly, truly appreciate all that you do. Okay. okay. Well, thanks for putting me on. I hope people like it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure they do. See you later. Take care. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what am I feeding the field? Until next time.